Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Just wanted to say thanks again for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to subscribe. Give us five stars and a nice review. It really does help us, and we need the help. Believe me. Hey, Claire Dunn is our guest today. But before we do that, I just wanted to say thanks again to our sponsor, Cathead Vodka, out of Jackson, Mississippi. We love them because of their vodka, but also because of their heart for live music and live musicians. Check them out at catheaddistillery.com and Cathead Vodka on Instagram. Claire Dunn is a small-town farm girl with big dreams, a big voice, and an even bigger heart. You're going to hear how she came into town and took it over. She's out there most nights blowing audiences away with great singing, great songs, and great guitar playing. She also claims to be a pretty wicked dominoes player, but I have yet to verify this. Here's my friend, Claire Dunn. Can you sip a little? Nice. Let me make it as (laughs) obnoxious as possible. (laughs) Claire Dunn. Hola. Welcome to uh, Disgraceland. It is so excited. I was trying to think the last time I saw you. You know when I think it was, seriously? When? Was CMA Fan Fest when we sa- Amy and I sat with you and your mom when uh, Oak Ridge Boys and FGL and remember uh, Lenny Kravitz came out and played. Oh, yes. I think that's... I, I mean, had that's a like, couple of tickets into the stadium. Yes. And yeah, uh, that was, I think... I don't think any of my family have got to come see me play CMA Fest since then. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I remember that. that it was just yeah. you and your mom. Uh-huh. I had a couple of tickets, and I was like, Mom, do you want to go? She's like, okay, why not? And you and me were like the only ones singing along with Lenny Kravitz, and everybody else was I sitting know. on their hands. Like, Everyone you was like so tense. Kidding like, me. Oh, this cannot be in country music. I'm like, it's still, whatever. It's whatever. Lenny Kravitz. It's, it's great. Just appreciate it just, for yeah, what it is. Just enjoy it. Just let it it's go. Okay. It's okay. We won't worry. tell any of your friends you saw a rock and roll show. <laughs> so you're from, I think it's Two Buttes. Yeah, you like to call it Two Butts. I was going to say Two Butts, but then I thought. <laughs> so, I love for posterity's sake that you said it correctly. <laughs> the one time. That I've known you over all the years that I've known you. Claire, how you doing from two butts? I'm like, no, Bart, no. But I appreciate um, you for getting it right this that's time. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And I, I believe it's population 43. Yes. So does that include you and your family? Or <laughs> I guess like, it would be 42. Now, now that you're out here. But really, I take argument with that whole 43 <laughs> thing because my argument is, is that number was taken around Christmas time. When, like, everyone's home visiting. Mm-hmm. You drive through the streets of Two Buttes, okay? I guarantee you'll be like, there's no way in hell 43 people live here. Maybe it... I feel like it's a 35. I feel like it's a strong... <laughs> Maybe 30. it is actually two butts because there's only two butts Shut in up. town. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. So bad. Okay, I, can, I could be wrong. Yeah. So, it's you and your sister. Yep. Were you older or younger I'm the, sister? I'm the baby. You're the baby? Yeah. So did you tell her what to do? I'm the wee baby. That's right. <laughs> no, she told me what to do until I finally got taller than her. Nice. And, well, who am I kidding? She still tells me what to do. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. <laughs> I'll always be the baby. You're from a farm ranching family. Yes. Driving semis, driving combines. Yep. Did your sister teach you that or did your dad? <laughs> Who's Probably the double both, clutch? to some degree. Who's the double clutcher in the family? <laughs> No, I think, um, so... I love seeing, not to keep interrupting you, no, but yeah, yeah. I loved on Instagram your Christmas pictures, you sitting up there in the cab of 18 wheelers, like, <laughs> love that girl. Yes. <laughs> no, it was so good. I mean, anytime I go home, well, for instance, you bring up Christmas. So this past Christmas when I went home, we uh, had to move cattle. And like, I don't get to do those things anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, because... I live here and I'm on the road and all that stuff. But like all of that was such a huge part of us growing up. And 
So now, anytime I go home, I like, I'm, I like beg to be able to go out and do those things and to help out and yeah. like, you got any cattle work you want to save for when I'm home next? Yeah. You know. <laughs> so we um we moved some cattle to a, a winter pasture off of a fall pasture to a winter pasture, and that was fun. And then, um, but yeah, I guess back to your first question, the whole semi truck driving thing. I think I learned that mostly. Well, I think I learned that equally from both of my parents because yeah. both of my parents, my mom and my dad, both grew up in farming families, <clears throat> and you know they each taught us something different mm-hmm. about it. Like you know, they you know they each taught us their own like oh you got to really pay attention to this yeah. and oh you got to really pay attention to this you know so kind of got hit from both sides of it, <laughs> and then my sister you know. She would always have, you know, her knowledge as well to add to it, which was good because she knows way more than I do anyway. Yeah. So, is she still out there? She is in Oklahoma. Oh, okay. And she's, um, she's, she works in ag, <clears throat> in ag lending, and she's really brilliant. Like she got all the brains hmm. of the family or of the of the offspring. She probably can't sing or play guitar <laughs> like you, though. Oh well. I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think though what she's doing. Sometimes I'm like, God, maybe I may, maybe I just should have been born with that set of gifts instead of this one. But no, she's um, she's really <laughs> gifted too with horses, and she's like a really accomplished rider and really has done. All, yeah, that's cool. Oh yeah. So so was it a musical family? No. No. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, not at all. It was probably the furthest thing from it. Like, so did you just listen to the the radio and the truck and just yeah. fall in love with songs and singing along and everything? Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I listened to everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, whether it was the radio or whatever my sister's music collection was. Don't tell her this, but I got a lot of things. I ripped uh-uh. off a lot of influences from her. <laughs> as long as you didn't rip off any albums from her. <laughs> oh, I stole them too. She'd always come out and she'd be like did you take my Reba CD? I'm like, no, nope, haven't seen it. Don't know. Reba who? No. <laughs> Don't know who um, that is. But yeah, I listened to whatever she was listening to because whatever she was listening to, I obviously, like <clears throat> when I was little, all I wanted to do was be like my little sister, or my big sister. Yeah. I still want to be like her. Yep. You know, she's, she's awesome and a badass. So I listened to whatever she was listening to, the radio, and then my parents were music lovers. Like, okay. Huge music lovers. Neither one of them had a an inclination or a desire to pursue music. Mm-hmm. You know, neither one of them played. <clears throat> my mom can sing. And I know that only because I've heard her around the house growing up. But yeah. she will never tell you that she can. You know, right. she'll be like, huh, no. <clears throat> but I know that that's where <laughs> I get it from. Yeah. Or whatever ability I have, I get it from her. And so, as far as singing goes, you know, and then, uh, but nobody plays guitar. I didn't start playing until I moved to Nashville and then, like, sat in a room and, you know, had no friends and no social life and, you know. Kind of like now. Kind of. We're we're sitting down (laughs) here. Not much has changed. Yeah. We're just sitting down here talking. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. This is a big night for me. This is a big night out for me. Playing, holding guitars. Not necessarily playing, but we're holding them. That's, that's good stuff. Well, I know you, I don't I totally understand the story, but you somehow got, because you were like, you really liked dancing as a kid. Yeah. And so you got, well. <clears throat> How did I get involved? Yeah. Well, okay. So, gosh, um. So, I guess to tell you the whole story, like, my parents, when we were growing up, I think that they were very much pressured Mm -hmm. to get into farming. And, you know, it's kind of just like what my family does. And it was, I I think, my perception of it was, is that they kind of were told, like, oh, well, if you're not a farmer, you're nothing, you know? And that's my perception of that. But what I do know for a fact, and what they always told us is that, you know, they told me and my sister, we don't care what you do with your life. If you want to farm and ranch and you want to be a part of the, the, the operation, it will always be here for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going anywhere. But if you don't want to do that, all we care about is that you find what your passion is in life and we want to help you find that. Yeah. And then 
you know, we may or may not be able to help you pursue it, but we at least want to help you point, point you in the right direction. So, uh, you know, here I was, this little kid, uh, singing and dancing all around the house in, you know, from the time I was like in diapers and cowgirl boots to, you know, till I was like in six, I was like six or seven years old. And around that time, excuse me, um, my mom said to me, I'll never forget it. It's as like clear as day. I was in kindergarten or somewhere around there. And she goes, there is this little dance studio about an hour north of our house in this town called Lamar, Colorado. And she's like, a woman has just opened up. She's moved here from Oklahoma City, which was the big city. Mm -hmm. And she's opened up a dance studio. And do you think that you would want to go dance? You know, I'm a kindergartner. I'm like, sure. (laughs) Like, yeah. Do we get McDonald's afterwards? Yeah. Then I'm in. Exactly. (laughs) So... She takes me up, and we go to our first dance class. And I remember where I was. I remember the room. I remember where I was standing in the room. I remember where I was standing in line, because mm. there was like two lines of girls. And I remember bits and pieces of the little ballet dance we learned. <clears throat> and I remember going to my mom after that. And I just... That whole time I was in this class, I just fell in love with it. And I... Without knowing it, I just was hooked you yeah. know, at that point. So that was the start of the whole dance thing. I just loved it. And I went and begged my mom, can we come back and we do that again? And she was like, yeah. And so from then on, like all throughout high school, like my mom wore out a engine of a Suburban. Yep. Hauling me back and forth to dance classes. <laughs> um, then I figured out what hip hop dance was. I was in- intrigued by that. <clears throat> so when you say you found out, were you like watching MTV or something and, and you saw all that? Mm-hmm. Or is that how you found out? Yeah, it just <clears throat> it started becoming more and more just, yeah, I just saw it on MTV and I wanted to be like Janet Jackson and yeah. Michael Jackson and I figured out who they were and I was just like, wow, like what's that and yeah. how, do I, how do I do that? And then... Um, so that became a huge focus for me. And I was on a competition team and we would go up to Denver and compete. And then when I was around 14, um, I got offered, weirdly enough, I got offered a little dance scholarship to go out to LA and study with Janet Jackson's like dance company, team, whatever. And you know, that was huge for me, you know? So it was just, I mean, anyway, you know, and, and then my love of dance has just been there ever since. And Did you meet Janet? No. Well, I actually didn't get to go. I didn't get to go to L.A. I was Number so one, hoping you'd say it's Miss Jackson if you choose. <laughs> uh, my parents were like, you're 14? Uh, no, we're yeah, not I mean, sending no. you to L.A. No, no not, not, not by yourself. And not going to happen. Neither and, one of us can leave, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't go, but just the... It was just such a huge accomplishment to be invited, you know. Oh, man. To go. For a little kid from nowhere. So then... You say you didn't play guitar at all till you got here. Mm-mm. What? Why did you come here? And I don't mean that meanly, but like, why yeah. did you not go to LA or something when you had a chance <clears throat> to go somewhere? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. I ask myself the same question. Um, I just I was always well because I grew up on a farm. Yeah, and I I grew up about as country bumpkin as you can get. I mean, like we're hicks where I'm from. Like. Self-proclaimed hick, you know. Two butts, man. Not redneck. I <laughs> yeah. will say there is a difference. Yeah. Not that one is any better or worse than the other. Yeah, it's different. Just a difference. Yeah. And so um, I just come from that farm and cowboy, cowgirl way of life, and I just always thought, oh, well, I'll be a misfit in L.A. or New York. You right. Know? So my thought was, well, well, I could come to Nashville and write songs about my way of life that I know and that I've... Sure. I'm steeped in my roots run deep in, you know, it's a good word. So, steeped. Sorry. Yeah. No, I thought you might like I that. I like that. <laughs> it's probably in one of these books. It's like a tea bag. Yeah. Yes. So right. it's deep for a minute. <laughs> so did you come to go to Belmont or anything or did you just show up and say, here I am? Oh no, no, no. I went to Belmont. Okay. And, uh, I was scared to death because I knew that we couldn't afford it. But my folks, being the awesome parents they are, they were like, well, 
first of all, get your butt in gear and apply for every loan, scholarship, grant, Pell yeah. Grant you can get. <clears throat> yep. So I had everything I could get, you know, in that realm. And then um, we had a silage truck. And um, a silage is a type of harvest, for those who don't know. It's a harvest that has to do with, like, corn or wheat or alfalfa or triticale. And um, uh, so during silage harvest season, there's a couple seasons every year, depending on what Mm -hmm. crop you're harvesting. And I would drive truck for that. I mean, there was no (laughs) Cancun... Right. Spring break. It was get your ass home and get on the, get on the truck. truck, girl. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, summer times, you know, yeah. fall break. I mean, hell, if you could cut silage at Christmas, that's what you it would be done too. It. Yeah. So, but also, like you know, and it was it was really a team effort too. Like even when I couldn't be home, if there was like finals or something going on, someone from my family was running that truck to make it all work because that was like yeah. The way I was able to have a roof over my head. Well, your parents are a lot like mine in that we want to support you, but we don't know how. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, I mean, I'm from a kind of a mm-hmm. construction family from Nebraska. Yeah. They don't know a whole lot about the record business. Mm-mm. And me being me in the last 30 years, I haven't really explained it very well <laughs> to them. <laughs> but, you know, me and dad drove down here and plugged me into Belmont and the same stuff. It's like... I guess that's as good a first place to start as any. Yeah. And at for the time sure. it it absolutely was. I don't know if it still is or not. I don't know much about it, but Yeah, I don't know either. I haven't you know, I've been back a time or two, but I haven't really talked to anyone in detail. But for me when I moved here, it was um like I didn't know a soul. I yeah. feel like a common thing for a lot of people is, Oh, well I my uncle's cousin twice removed worked at Sony Records and yep. I slept on their couch. Like I didn't have even that, you yeah. know. Like, I, I look back now and I think, golly, you know, if I'd known one person, yeah, maybe it would have, you know, been And also, route. looking back, you go like, holy crap, I could never do that again. <laughs> you know, moving a thousand miles away from mom and dad by oh. yourself. Oh, yeah. That's... Oh, yeah. I showed up to Nashville two weeks late for school <laughs> because I had stayed two weeks longer in Texas on a silage harvest run. I stayed at such a dumpy motel in Denton, Texas, that I got strep throat from the freaking fungus growing in the air conditioner. Uh. <laughs> I drove home from Harvest in, from Texas to Colorado, literally packed a U-Haul half that night and half the next morning and took off. And like Gosh. drove here. I was like, man, what is wrong with me? Why don't I feel good? I got here and then I was like... Once I finally, like, I couldn't even get out of bed the next day. And they were like, oh, you have strep throat. I was like, okay. Perfect. Of course I do. This is exactly. It was a rough start. Yeah. This is exactly (laughs) how I wanted to start my odyssey to Nashville. (laughs) Well, so, I mean, how, did you own a guitar? Growing up? No, when you got here, did you you bring one? When I got here, yes, I did. So did you just. I mean, did you live in a dorm? How did you start writing with people? Who did you ask to, if you could write with them or, or however? How did that work for you? Oh, well, um, okay. So writing for me started, well, I I heard about this songwriting class that Belmont offered. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. Um, I, well, actually, I found a place to live. I didn't live in the dorm. I lived off campus. I found a room to rent. No joke sitting in a cattle sale or cattle auction in Clovis, New Mexico, (laughs) talking to one of the owners of the sale who found out that I was getting ready to move to Nashville. He said, oh, well, my great niece lives there and she might have a room for rent or know someone. And I was like, okay. Uh, Okay. So I show up. It was just like, looking back now, I'm just like, what were you thinking? Yeah. So I show up. I, you know, I called her and had this room arranged and rented it all. But, um, so yeah, I was living off campus, but the writing started through this songwriting course. And then, so I'm, it's remember been a who day taught or two. It? Yeah. I didn't know this guy at the time. I had no idea. I remember I went to my first songwriting class. I came home. I'm talking to these roommates, you know, who are somewhat in the music business. Yeah. 
And they were like, well, so how was your first day? And I was like, it was great. Um, I had this songwriting class. It was really cool. And they're like, well, who taught it? And I was like, this guy named Tom Schuyler? And they were like, their jaws were like immediately on the floor and their eyes were like as big as headlights. And they're like, what? Tom Schuyler? I'm like, yeah. Is that a big deal? Is he something? <laughs> and they're like, he's only a Hall of Fame songwriter. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so I should know this. I mean, I was just that clueless. Yeah. But Tom was the guy uh, who mentored me. And I didn't know that. Yeah. He was my boss at RCA. Was he really? Yeah, I love that guy. Oh, I do too. He, Tom was just the, the single most influential mentor for me yep. getting started. And what I loved about Tom was that he, I felt like he was my, my first publisher. And he really was when he was teaching those courses. Mm-hmm. And he taught us the only <clears throat> thing he cared about. He didn't care about, you know, trying to mold you into writing like, how Tom Schuyler writes. Right. Tom wanted you to write the way you write. And he just wanted you to do it the best way you could. Hmm. And he wanted to impart all of his 30, 40 years of writing experience to help you cut the corners. Yeah. And to get there faster. You know, not saying that I ever have or ever will, but I at least recognize that's what he was doing. And Absolutely. I was trying to absorb it, you know, for all I was worth. He's one of the funniest cats in the world. Yeah. Well, I actually had one of my first classes was with Tyler. I mean, not Tyler, Brian. Oh, really? FGL? FGL? Yep. One of my very first classes. Was I remember it? he was like sitting in the corner and he like came in from baseball practice or something. Yep. Yeah. And wanted to write songs about pirates and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he wanted to write about back then, but yeah. Well, so, so, I mean, this is such a dumb question, but like when I got here, what you're saying, you had no idea who Tom Schuyler was. I didn't realize, and I've said this before, but I looked at a Van Halen record and said, all songs written by Van Halen. I looked at his Easy Top record, all songs written by his Easy Top. I looked at a Merle Haggard record, all songs written by Merle Haggard. I didn't know that you wrote for other people. I didn't even know that was an industry. Yeah. That was that blew me away when I figured out, you, you just write songs for a li- like that yeah. other people record? That's yeah. so foreign to me. Totally. But, yeah, that's... Oh, Tom, man. <laughs> well, so, did you... You started writing. Did you have influences as... I mean, you obviously have such a distinct voice. Did you have... Mm-hmm. Influences as singers, or were you just trying to sound like Reba or something before you really found your voice? You know, I don't... I think... Well, some of my favorite influences were, like... As far as, like, singers go, I think just as a singer, you know, not talking about any of the other stuff, but Whitney Houston was my favorite singer. Really? Yeah. I could I could put on a Whitney Houston record doesn't matter which one and yeah. just her she's just such a master oh yeah and i think that she kind of got a little bit she, in some ways i think her ability went under the radar because you know you think of whitney houston and you think oh i want to dance with somebody yeah and these big huge pop hits and then you think these big huge ballads but as a singer like, I just love to listen to her ability. Yeah. Like, she's just so... And sometimes, you know, she would get a little out there. But uh, she's just so brilliant Yeah, as a vocalist. And so much passion. And so much heart. So anyway, she's probably been my, my first um, influence. And then, like, the Mariah Carey and Mary J. Blige and Lauryn Hill. So a lot of country folks... Well, That's what I'm you're getting saying. to that. <laughs> but you got to remember, like, when you're a kid out there on a tractor for 12 hours a day, oh, they're all, you listen to every, you for, listen to Reba. You don't and, even know what the word format means. No, right. you just are, like, so desperate for anything. And yeah. so I listen to Loretta and Reba and Trisha and um, Susie Boggess and Patsy Cline and, you know, uh, Tanya Tucker and Tammy Wynette, and then oh, you man, listen yeah. to all those and you run out and you're like, okay, well, I gotta, you know, so I was really lucky in some yeah. regards that I had all of those influences to draw from. Well, and you're just, 
looking for that next station on the dial. Mm-hmm. I've already heard this song three times a day, so you oh, go yeah. to the next one. Or you're you just know. trying to keep your iPod out of the dirt, you know? <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was trying to do. Like, I would, like, have a T-shirt I'd wrap my iPod in and, like, try to, you know, see keep the dirt out of it. Uh-huh. This is actual, actual ideas <laughs> for the people that are listening. <laughs> I would. In the tractor cabs, like, you'd be... In two rounds, like all your gauges would have like a little layer of dirt. Oh yeah, you know, just like sifted onto them. And so did you, probably. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, your eyebrows—you didn't need to draw them in back then. Okay, you could just get darker eyebrows naturally. It was the natural look. I'll be back in two shades. What? <laughs> so you came down here and we grabbed a couple guitars and you started playing a Clapton thing. Mm, yeah. Tears in Heaven, and then you grabbed an electric guitar, and I think you were playing like a Stevie Ray thing. Oh, yeah. So how did you... (laughs) Well, most people play Stevie Ray badly. (laughs) Who? How did you find guitar influences? Because the ladies you just mentioned as singers Mm -hmm. aren't really known, unless it's like Bonnie Raitt, known Mm -hmm. for guitar solos in their song. So how did you find guitar influences? Oh, man. Um... Well, I just, I think, hmm, how did I find Clapton? Well, I just always had kind of a peripheral knowledge of Clapton growing up. My mom had the Backless record in Mm -hmm. her record collection. And I remember kind of figuring out somewhat who he was growing up. But it wasn't until later. Really, I mean, my whole desire for even playing, like I don't play guitar because I like love the act of playing guitar. Mm -hmm. For me, it all started out like, well, I, I'm trying to make records in my bedroom, and I just need a tool to help me right. get what's in my brain onto a set of speakers. And then I was like, okay, well, who are the masters of guitar? And and then, in my opinion, for me, the, or who who appeals to me? Yeah. And the two, the two guys who immediately appealed to me were one, Eric Clapton. My sister was obsessed with the Layla, or the Unplugged record. When it came out. Well, I was going to say with the Stars and... Was it, uh, not Stars in Heaven. Tears in Heaven. Tears in Heaven. Yeah. That song was... If you're like talking about MTV, that holy cap. You did, saw that, heard that song every day, all day. Yes. Yes. And then... I just I, said holy cap, by the holy way. Holy cap. I didn't, yeah. didn't want to stop you. No. You were on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> but then I also remember when I was, um, you know, in high school, I figured out who the Rolling Stones were. Yeah. And I remember hearing Keith Richards play, and I remember being like, because I was so in, in the mesh of dance back at that point. Oh, yeah. And I just remember being like, man, that's a guy who plays guitar like a drummer. Yeah. And I just remember being so fascinated. That's a great way of putting it. So then when I moved here, I just really went back to, okay, well, why does Keith Richards sound like, why does he play like a drummer? and. And or how does he do that? And yeah. I, you know, that was kind of the people that I started to try and copy and mimic and emulate and figure out some morsel of what they do. You know, not were you looking I, at YouTube back then? Was that around? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm always jealous of the mm-hmm. of you younger people because <laughs> we would sit for hours trying to figure out a Stevie Ray Vaughan lick and. Mm-hmm. Now, man, oh, could, there's... I still do even with YouTube. Oh, I, I'll I do sit too, and watch Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I'm like. What the f- is he doing? Oh, dude. There's a couple of players like him, like Sonny Landreth, I remember. Yeah. With his slide play, and I just remember Crazy. going, if I could just see him, I'll figure it out. And people were just going. <laughs> and then when you see him, I'm even like, oh, Oh, God. and you figure out that he's fretting behind the slide and stuff. It's like, well, that didn't help me at all. You figure out that it's more complicated <laughs> yeah. than you even thought. Well, now I'm going to have to throw my slides away. Do you still, uh, are you still finding new guitar players you like, or is is it seriously, it's a tool and also a hot blonde chick playing great licks on a telly <laughs> is pretty unusual. I mean, it, it's a cool thing to begin with. Um, am I finding new guitar players? I, I'll admit I don't scroll Instagram yeah. looking for new guitar players. I should. I think for me, what I really enjoy most is finding, because I just feel like I'm so behind anyway, because I didn't start playing till 
you know, college. And I feel like for me, I'm, you know, perpetually behind. And so I enjoy going back and listening to, you know, old, I love listening to old blues guys that were heroes of mine in the beginning. And then that maybe I haven't listened to in a while. And I love going back and trying to just pick out new things that I hadn't paid attention to before. Yeah. You know, those are the new things that I like to look for is the new in the old. It's fun to like figure out, well, why is Carlos Santana playing like that? Oh, it's because of this guy. Yeah. And then you can just keep kind of going back. It's kind of. Absolutely. Freddie King. Like I was just listening to Freddie King the other day and I hadn't listened to him in a while and I just pulled him up on Spotify and I was like, you know, going down and. Um, you know, morning rain keeps on falling like the tears fall from my eyes. What I can't think of the title. Of that I song, can't but, either. Um, and oh. it was also one amp and one guitar. That the biggest effect he had was the chord between them. Yeah, it's like that's pretty amazing. You hear some of those cats like yeah, that too. All those guys and Albert King, and then you hear oh, where Stevie Ray. You know, you just start. That's what I love about blues. Yeah, that I wish sometimes. Well, you know, not that country has to do that, but it's one of the things I admire most about blues music is like it's a, it's like a a, a crumb, it's like a bread trail. You know, yeah. you can trace it back. <laughs> you know, everyone's leaving little breadcrumbs along the way, and you can hear from Stevie Albert, and then from Albert, you know, you can trace that back. And absolutely, anyway, so. That's, that's what keeps me entertained, I guess. <laughs> Nerdville. No, man. <laughs> well, also now, so many blues guys are playing as fast and distorted as the rock guys. Mm-hmm. It may just be lyrics might be the only difference in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, so you put a band together, or, did you, or how did you put your first band together? Because I know you've been playing... Oh, my first, um, I had, I had some people like early on that, you know, were believers in me and helped me kind of put various little bands together and we'd play little shows here and there. But my first actual like road band, um, I, I put that together through a friend, a mutual friend who knew some guys and, um, you know, it was uh, my first road band is basically... It's not necessarily the same guys, yeah. but it's the same configuration. It was me and three guys, and we started touring in my F-150 pickup and trailer. Same pickup I rolled in here tonight in. And, um, you know, there had it could only be a four-piece band because that's all you could fit in the pickup. Yeah. Comfortably. You right. Know? Putting three dudes in the back seat, that wasn't going to work, <laughs> you know. So um, that was my first touring configuration and then like throughout the years it just was kind of like well if it ain't broke you know don't fix it and i still have a i'd like to have another player at some point but for now i'm happy with me and the three dudes so um are you flying mostly now are you bussing it or combination everything yeah i mean we're either bus or fly just kind of depends like uh this past year we did a lot of flying yeah um this coming year we'll probably do a lot of bussing you know, just kind of ebbs and flows. Yeah. It just depends, you know. Like last year, we had to, we had several coast-to-coasts, you know, and that's like a four-day bus ride versus a yeah. four-hour flight. So we'd go like Charleston, South Carolina to L.A. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> no complaints, though, but no, it's just like, no, it's just... people would look at me and they're like, did Stevie Wonder do your routing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, did he like take pins and go to a map? And I'm like, oh, okay. Now I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're funny. That's funny. (laughs) So how many miles did you put on your track? Mm, The first year, (laughs) 100,000. Nice. Yeah. And then, I mean, after, let's see, not too long after that, I think it was like the second year, I got this thing called a record deal. And then... I've heard of them. Yeah. And then I was really bougie. And I got to buy an old 12-year-old church van Nice. at that point. But it was so awesome because, like, you know, instead of having to, like, figure out how to sleep, like, you got vertical, you could, you could sleep horizontally like a normal human being. Game changer. <laughs> I don't think we went to Florida 
more times than that year. We got like I mean, you know, we'd haul from Nashville to the freaking southern end of Florida. Yeah. Multiple times. And it was like, hey, no big deal. Trade off, you get actual sleep. Were you ever kind of amazed at some of the young up and comers that would have just the faintest whiff of success and immediately they've got two buses and a oh. semi and you just I mean you Yeah. Especially now looking back, knowing yeah. the business, you go, Yeah, holy crap, there I said at that time. <laughs> you know those cats are a million dollars in debt. Yeah. Because of that's that always blew me away. It's like yeah, I've had some peers that, you know, have um, went on to, you know, pop up yeah. quicker than me. And, you know, it's you're so excited for them on the one hand, but on the other hand, you're also like, you know, that it's a... Oh, man. When it, when it, sometimes when it happens that fast, it can be not a bad thing, but sometimes there's a trade-off, yeah. you know, which maybe is a little more behind the curtain than... Yeah. Most people realize, but, um, you know, and, and then it can, in some ways, you know, obviously you want to have the huge, you know, blow up of success as quick as possible. But then yeah. also on the other hand, it's like, I've seen, I've seen it happen with friends that like they're huge one day and the next day it's almost just as quick as they blew up. It kind of things have, it kind of blew up. Yeah. Kind of fizzled out. And it's kind of like, yeah, you know, you, you take like a Stapleton guy or somebody like, or like brothers or party or, or Eric church or, you know, guys who it took a little longer to get off the ground, but there's, you know, you learn so much and you're so grounded in who you are as an artist. And when things start, kind of coming at you you have roots dug in that you you can kind of yeah stay who you are and weather the the storm of success and like and get a have time to breathe and get adjusted to it you know absolutely and you actually build some fans yeah absolutely so So. you did uh sirius xm has been your buddy for a long time yep how'd that come about how did they hear your first? Was that John Marks that heard the first? Song? I think yeah, yeah, he yeah. was there. Um, I don't remember how John heard me at first, but I just remember uh, I somehow figured out this guy named John Marks, and and they were like, you know, he's playing your record, and I was like, huh? What? And I was just blown away by that, and it, it was just this. It was just it happened real organically for me. And, um, you know, we just kind of became friends over the course of it. And I just was like, I think I just was like, hey, I'm told you're playing my record. I just, (laughs) I want to say thank you. (laughs) I I really appreciate this. And it's just, we've just been, you know, really great friends ever since then. I've got this gift card for (laughs) O'Charlie's. I just wanted to say thank you. Shit, I didn't have I didn't have any money for a gift card to O'Charlie's. Sorry, I just cussed on your podcast. Is that allowed? You're allowed. Is, is sipping and drinking allowed? Sipping I and do drinking? another obnoxious one. Yeah, that was good. Mm, that was mm-hmm. good. Well, how did uh, how did MCA get interested? Was it from that? Well, it was kind of a perfect storm. Um, I'd been out. XM had been playing my records for so, a couple the, of years. The Highway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Highway. And they had been just great champs. And I was just out there, you know, killing it on the road and just everywhere I could play, I was playing and, you know, just have a building a, a fan base and, you know, just one night, one show at a time. And, yeah. <clears throat> um, and this buzz was going pretty hardcore and, then we had just managed to wrangle. Well, Universal had come to see me play in Chicago one night. Okay. And I was opening for a guy named Will Hogue at uh, Joe's on Weed. Nice. And um, they had heard about me, and like, you know, we'd been talking for a couple weeks, and I'd been meeting with AR with Stephanie Wright. Oh, yeah. She's who signed me over there. Oh, cool. <clears throat> and, um, so we'd been talking and, uh, you know, she'd been familiar with my music and the highway and just like knew 
kind of my story and the shows and the touring we were doing. And she came up to see me one night in Chicago. And it was, you know, a crowd that didn't know me. You know, it was a brand new crowd mm-hmm. that I'd never played for. You know, I think it was my first time I'd ever opened for Will Hogue. And, you know, there's always, like, as an opener, you yeah. know, you, there's always this, like, little bit of a stiff arm at first. Like, hey, not really we're not here. really here to see you, kid. Yeah. You know, which, of course, yeah. you know going into it. And so, like, your whole job is to... Or at least for me, I'm always just like trying to just put people at ease. Like, you know, I just, I, I hope you like us and yeah. we want you to have a good time. We, we just want you to have a, a good pre-party right? to right. your main party that you're going to have later <laughs> yeah. with, you know, the headliner. And um, anyway, so it was just a really special night and it was a really, it was a really great show. And Did you know she was there? Yeah. Oh yeah. I was nervous as hell. I was going to say, I almost would... Rather not know. I know, I know. Uh, the whole time, I just was like, ugh. It was just like nervous knots. But um, they, I mean, it was that was it. That was yeah. the night. And then from then on, it was it just all happened really fast. And um, right around that time, we got uh, an offer to go open up one time for Bob Seger. And then that, we went and played. I signed my record deal. Four days later, I was in Saginaw, Michigan, with a like what was supposed to be a one off opportunity to open for Bob Seeger. Which is his backyard, so that's kinda nice too. Yeah. No, not a no pressure. <laughs> about, it's not like you're in Seeger country or anything. Yeah, no. So he comes out and uh he we're sound checking and like, you know, you're in an arena. This is the first arena I'd ever played in. I didn't have in ear monitors. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. We're we're using monitors. I can't hear myself. And we have like 10 minutes to sound check or something, you know? And then on top of all that, here comes Bob walking in the arena, side stage. I'm in the middle of a song and I catch one glance at him and I, I just like forgot all my words. <laughs> I forgot everything. And I was like, oh my God, it's Bob Sager. <laughs> so he just comes in and he sits and watches the sound check. I was like, that's cool. And I was just like, oh, my Damn. God. At that point, I'm like, am I even sound checking right? Like, right. am I doing this all wrong? I'm probably doing this all wrong. So anyway, we get through that. Then we play the show. And he came out and watched our show. And then after the show, his manager and uh, another guy came up to us. And they're like, hey, uh, what are you doing the next you know, couple months? I was like, oh, I don't know. It's like, you know, I didn't have a manager or nothing. I was like, how do I even answer these questions? And, um, do you have a booking agent? Yes. Okay. Yes. I did have that, but no one on site with me. I didn't have a tour manager. I didn't have a manager. So like, what do I say when Bob Seger's manager is like, what do you do in the next couple months? I'm like, do I tell him I'm busy? Do I tell him I'm not? I don't know. What's the right answer? And so, um, Anyway, so they're like, well, we were wondering if maybe you wanted to come join us for the rest of the tour. And I was like, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, like, I think at that point my mind went blank and I was like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah sure. Um, but anyway, I don't know. I got off topic there. but No, but that's we even went, when you're going like, well, we need gas money in a hotel <laughs> cleanup room once in a while. Yeah. Do I get to ask for money? How does that work? It's like, I don't know how this works. <laughs> I would have gone into debt to go on that tour. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that was, I mean, and then we did. We ended up going out on the rest of the tour with him, and I think there was one leg we weren't a part of. That's a pretty big uh, education. Oh, tell me about it. Playing Huge. I mean, you talk about the audience may not be there for you. Oh. When you have an artist like Seeger that's been around for 50 years with no that kidding. many hits. Mm-hmm. Did he still sound good? Oh, awesome. Every night I would go out and watch the show. Every night I would cry like a rock. Yeah. And then uh, my friend Rob McNally was playing guitar oh, yeah. for him. Oh, my God. Just like, you know, and 
It was just really such a magical time for me. Well, half that band was from Nashville with Rob and Moose. Yeah. Who else? There's, I know there's one Well, his there. drummer was the guy, uh, one of the original founding members of Grand Funk Railroad. Okay. And let me tell you, I got some Grand Funk Railroad stories one night at a hotel bar in Lincoln, Nebraska. That you didn't really want to know? <laughs> no. Are you kidding? I wanted to know. I'm like, tell me the secrets. Um, so tell me about Mark Farner leaving you in Germany. Was that cool? Yeah. Him and Craig, the B, B3 player, okay. were both original members, or Craig was at least, maybe he wasn't a member, but he was like one of the original band hirees or whatever you want to call it. And, like, they're talking about being on, like, flights to Tokyo, like, back in the day. And I'm like, wow, this is just, like, crazy. And just hearing all that rock and roll, being around that rock and roll history, for one. Oh, man. And, like, Bob, a couple of times, he, uh, I'll never forget, we were in Kansas City. And he came up to, he came up to the side of the stage. And we were sound checking. And I was like, oh, God. We probably ran long. Maybe Bob needs something off the stage. We got to hurry up and wrap this up and get out of his way. You know, I was like, hello, Mr. Seeger, sir. It's like, what is he doing? (laughs) And so like, I was so shy. I am so shy. And I was like, well, I don't want to make it awkward for Bob if I walk off that side of the stage. So I'll just walk off the opposite side of the stage Mm -hmm. thinking that, you know, that's what I should do. So I do that. Bob follows me. I'm like, oh God, am I in trouble at this point? Like, Are you what's going us on? Off the tour? <laughs> Crap! I'm prepared for that. <laughs> he follows me off, you know, the opposite side of the stage, and he comes up. And he's like, "Hey, Claire." I was like, "Hi." I'm like, "Oh no." He's like, "What do you think about this venue?" I was like, "Man, I think it's great." We sat there and shot the shit for like ten minutes about the weather, about yeah. the venue, and I look back now, and I was just so scared and like beside myself like i couldn't even acknowledge that bob was just trying to strike up a rapport because how do you even comprehend that like your hero is just a good human being and like they're just maybe wanting to get to know you a little bit i couldn't even acknowledge that in myself or maybe they just want to talk to somebody and not talk about contracts and merch and numbers and yeah i sat backstage at catering across from merle haggard and i I wasn't going to say anything. Same thing. I just got put there and we're both eating chicken. And he just looks up at me and goes, what do you think the last thing this chicken said? <laughs> I said, I don't know, Bach? And he said, I bet you're right. And he went back and he goes, what's your name? <laughs> but he, you know, what, what was I going to ask him? What were you thinking when you wrote Kern River? <laughs> and I was like, no. This is not the time to do that. And that's probably yeah, half of that is just. Absolutely. Or maybe you remind him of his daughter or something. Who knows? Yeah. Just, I, who knows? I just always. I couldn't believe that he was wanting to strike up a conversation. Yeah. So I kind of found an excuse in my mind that, like, he doesn't want to talk to me. He doesn't want to talk to me. Right. And then I look back now and I'm like, maybe he was just wanting to talk, you know, just to visit and just to get to know some little kid a little bit, you know? Because. He was really good. He yeah. really just gave me a huge leg up. And oh man, yeah. He didn't, you know, he didn't need me, and and he was just so gracious, and he just gave me such a opportunity, you know. And so I'm so that, gracious about it. You go out with Keith Urban, Luke, FGL, mm-hmm. Miranda. I mean, you've been out there with everybody. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it is a real community, though, isn't it? Once mm-hmm. you find out, once you're actually like inside it, it is a community. And oh yeah, everybody's complaining about changing diapers or taking <laughs> the kids to school or what do you think the last thing his chicken said was? <laughs> There's something. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely, it is a huge community. And I think everyone, like I saw Miranda the other night at a football game, uh, at a Titans game. Um, oh, did you like sing the national anthem or something like that? <laughs> maybe. Now that you mentioned that. Uh, maybe. But the cool part was, is like um, a mutual friend like texted me and she's like, hey, come up to the suite. Like me and Rand want to say hello. And uh, I was like, all right, cool. And, you know, it's just... It, it is a community, and yeah. like I haven't seen Miranda in probably a year or two since the tour, really. Yeah. And she, you know, she still is very sweet and you know supportive. And I think that's just you know, I anytime I run into anyone that I've been out with, like brothers Osborne, you know, like I've known those guys 
Um, I mean, I've been out playing shows around with them long enough, and like any time we see each other, it's always just yeah. You know, hey, I'm cheering you on. Hey, I'm rooting you on. You know, I'm so excited for their success. And Absolutely. They, you know, so deserve it. I mean, I've been at those same shows playing where there's like 30 people in front of the stage. And I'm yeah. sitting there watching their show. And I'm like, why is there 30 people in front of this stage? You know, and so now it's great to see them yeah. blowing up and all of that. And, and half know. of those 30 people had their arms crossed like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or for your family, you know, <laughs> yeah, or friends. <laughs> and their their arms are crossed and their backs are turned. It's even worse. <laughs> They're like, it's fine. We're going to go see him after the show. We, don't, we ain't got to pay attention. It's fine. So <laughs> what was that Titans national anthem? I mean, mm. What was that like? Oh, nerve-wracking. So nerve-wracking. Holy cow. Oh, well, I hadn't I'd, I'd sang at an NFL game before. But not I'd sang at a Packers game before. I can't remember if Lambeau Field what the capacity is there. I don't think it's 70,000. I think it's a smaller field. I think it is too. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Don't hate me Packers Nation. Right. Still, I love you. Still a nice place to play. Oh, God. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that was my first soiree into the NFL world. And then, you know, to, but but in Nashville, you know that there's going to be 2,000 industry people at any given game. Yeah. You know, you know that it's it's not really like playing or not really like singing just at any old football game. Yeah. You know, you're in Nashville and everyone's going to the game. And so there's a little bit different pressure, I guess, to it. And then they told me it was going to be televised on Sunday Night Football. I don't think it ended up being, but um, that pressure was there when I started. And I was like, oh, my God. Like You sounded great. Thank you. And you started super low. Low enough that, oh, yeah. that you knew you weren't going to top out. Well, and- I could have. I, the whole thing. <laughs> like I knew I could have sang it like two keys higher. Yeah. But then like the closer and closer it got to it, I was like, nope. I'm just not even going to risk it, so I dropped it a step. I don't even remember. Was it really cold that day? No, it wasn't that bad. I okay. was cold because I was so nervous. Yeah. It was cold kind of on the on the field, and I definitely didn't want to be super cold. Yeah. I didn't want to be cold and, like, shivering and, like, my voice shaking any more than it was already from the nerves, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I got up. It was, like, five minutes before, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to drop this thing, you know? And so I just sunk it a couple keys lower and I'm like then I won't have to worry about it you know but you know it was, was good. it was fun I it bet. was an honor to get to do it you know just well awesome. yeah well especially I mean in in this town where you know there's there's a lot of lot of singers oh yeah I got like 30 texts from like people yeah. I hadn't even heard from in like years after that and I was like I don't even have your number anymore who is this <laughs> and they were like yeah, I'm like oh Oh. Was it Bob Seeger? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was good old Bob. Hey, kiddo. <laughs> well, so you are starting the next Women of Country Music tour. Yeah. With Cassidy Pope and Hannah Ellis. Mm-hmm. Is that cool? Yes. Will you use three different bands, or are you doing the one band thing and everybody? I'm not really sure. I think I think we're kind of sharing some band just to, you know, cut costs. I'm not really sure about all that, honestly, yeah. though. I mean, I don't care how we do it, yeah. but um, I'm pumped for that tour, you know? Like, I've never got to go out on, well, I guess I have been on an all-female tour, but I don't know either one of these girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met them, like, here and there, and I'm really excited to get to know them, you know? I'm a huge fan of Cassidy and yeah. what she does, and I'm looking forward to getting to, you know, hear Hannah and what she's all about. And I, I've I've been told, like, a... Several of the shows are already sold out. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm excited just to, you know, get out there. And, like, CMT is such a huge supporter, you know, of all three of us. Yeah. And um, I think it's going to be a hell of a good time. I have all the beer. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I I got that sponsorship from Budweiser. And they're like, hey, we want to make sure that you're well-stocked for your CMT tour. I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I have all the Budweiser any girl could want. Does uh, being in a tour with three 
ladies. I mean, is the do you feel maybe you don't even want to talk about this, but is yeah. there is there a problem at country radio with breaking women? Like I mean, I keep hearing all that. I and don't I'm not so involved anymore that I just Yeah. What's your perception of that? Or do you even want to talk about it? Well, I don't I just don't know the answer, yeah. to be honest. I don't know. I know this. I know there's a lot of women out there making great music. Yeah. Compelling music. Different music. Um, I'm not saying every, you know, not everything made by a woman is fantastic. Not everything made by a dude is fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, you know, turds on each side. Yeah. I, I do think that there are some really cool gems that on the girl's side that maybe have been overlooked, you know. Um, I just, I hated that comment that Miranda said, well, I had to do a duet with somebody who had a penis to get on the radio again. It's like, mm. are you kidding me? You've had yeah. monster, monster hits. I thought that was a little yeah. disingenuous. And I just, like I said, I'm not really in swimming in the middle of that anymore. But. Yeah. It's tough. I don't, I don't really know. I, I just feel like it should be good music is good music, yeah. you know? And that's really kind of where I come down on it. And I, I feel like there's a lot of great music being made by girls. I feel like there's great music being made by dudes. I feel like there's bad on each side. Yep. I feel like there's dudes out there that, you know, maybe aren't making great music, but still gets heard. Yeah. Um, And I think that there are some great music being made by chicks that maybe doesn't get heard that much, yeah. you know, but... I think the thing about this tour is, like, I just think it's going to be a great experience for Absolutely. everyone who comes. I think you're going to get three totally different... The thing I'm excited about yeah. is you're going to get three totally different sounding Absolutely. artists. Male or female. Like, yeah. I don't I don't even look at it as, like, an all-female tour. It's just, like, three really diverse yeah. artists. And I think we're going to get to share a bus, even. Oh, really? Which is going to be exciting, That'd I think. Fun. Yeah. You know, like, I'm always the only girl on my bus. <laughs> oh, I know. And I'm like, wait a minute. I want to have some girlfriends around. It's like, man, it's like, you, I, I hope they let you in the cleanup room first. <laughs> And I, I hope in these venues there's at least two dressing rooms. Oh, yeah. And I always think about you just being like... With all the dudes. With all the dudes. Because oh, I know what dudes are like. Oh, yeah. and Terrible. Yeah. I at least now can procure <laughs> my own terrible. towel at a venue. Okay. There, there used to be a time when my band would take... You know, like at a venue, like when you're on yeah. a big tour or something, you know, you'll be left like a certain amount of towels. Right. They would use up all the towels. Oh, yeah. And, like, I'd come in after meet and greet, and I'd have, like, two hand towels yeah. to take a shower. And I was like, really? Or you're, You couldn't just give me a freaking towel? Or you're on all fours trying to find the driest towel on the oh, floor. Oh, God. Ooh. I wouldn't even go there. Who was in here last? The drummer? <laughs> okay, he's pretty clean. <laughs> no way. No way. But I don't have to worry about that so much anymore. That's good. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want to do my... Uh, my 10 questions. Oh, God. Yes. What's this? Okay. This is just... Is, is it, it like firing squad? Yeah. Just don't <laughs> think about it. Just Okay. Rapid fire. Top of your, top of your head. What's okay. your favorite drink? Wine. Pinot Grigio. Italian. Sweet. What's your favorite book? Um, oh, Hemingway. A Movable Feast. Dang. Nice. Currently. Current favorite. What are some of your other ones? Uh, there's a true story book. Um, Jeremiah Denton. It's called When Hell Was in Session. He was a Vietnam POW. Mm. It's just like, I mean, if you ever feel like you're going to complain about something in your yeah. life, read his book and you're like, you know what? It'll never be that bad. Um, yeah. I am a Hemingway fan. I love For Whom the Bell Tolls. Um, oh, Count of Monte Cristo. Nice. Yeah. Few. What's your favorite food? Mm, Mexican. What's your favorite quote? <laughs> mm, well, you have to have the whole quote. Okay. Okay, so it's John Wayne in True Grit. I already like it. In the Valley. Okay. Robert Duvall says, that's bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. John Wayne fires back. He goes, fill your hands, you son of a bitch. 
And he puts the reins in his teeth, and yep. he has a shotgun in one hand and a pistol in the or yep. two shotguns, I think. Yeah, yeah, and he just oh, wait, charges no, think, on. Is it a shotgun? I and think a pistol? they're both rifles because he remember. Oh he's, yeah, that's he's a rifle. Spinning them when he's cocking. That's the, right. It's like a Winchester thirty thirty. There you go. Yeah. Nice. See, nice. I don't know these things. That's good. Favorite quote: "Fill your hands, you <laughs> sob." What was the first <laughs> concert you saw, and how old were you? Well, I'm told the first concert I went to was George Strait. Okay. I was a baby. Oh, okay. So I don't remember that. The first one I remember was Eric Clapton. I was in college. Me and my sister flew to San Antonio, walked in, sat down, didn't move. Felt like it was over in 15 minutes. And it was the tour with Derek Trucks, Doyle Bramhall Jr., and Robert Cray. Doyle Bramhall II. Oh, two. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. The second... (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Anyway, that was my first real concert. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. If you could just do one thing, would you rather write or play or sing? I know that's a very unfair mm. question. Maybe I, not if you could only do one. What's your favorite out of those? That's tough. That's like that's like deciding which arm or leg you like better than the other. Yeah, you know, you kind of like them all. Kind of, kind, kind of like both arms, both kind of, legs. Kind of attached to him, right? <laughs> kind of attached. <laughs> uh, but I would say, if I was banished to do one thing, probably write. Yeah. I could, yeah. And that probably changes any given day, too. Yeah. Some days you just want to shut up and play. Yeah, and some days you just want to sing. Yeah. Yeah. Some so. days you just want to dance. At least that's what Keith would say. <laughs> Live it up while you get the chance. <laughs> What's the favorite song you've written? Whether it was a... Cut a single or whether no one's ever heard it but you? Mm. I think my favorite song I've written for for a lot of different reasons is a song called Tuxedo. Just because that song I didn't I didn't expect it to do anything or to to you know, it's just kind of this fun, loving song. It's not like it's not like the dance, okay? It's not sure. like but, live like you were dying or I believe or any whatever. It's none of it's none of that. It's just a good think, old feel good song. I think but, it got three point seven million YouTube spins. Something crazy. It's, it's like a bunch. It's when it was out, like it was out selling whatever song was number one on the charts. Like it was it was crazy and its streaming is like ridiculous. And so anyway, it's just the way that that song is connected with people. Yeah. And that song was so just a a, um, a wish of mine. Like, I was only writing about my what I wished to yeah. find or hoped to find in a dream dude. And it was so specific to me that I just thought nobody else would ever... Hmm. I didn't imagine that anybody would ever cabbage onto it the way they did. Yeah. And I think the way people have reacted to that song has has made it one of the most... Proud songs. Absolutely. That I've written. Did you say cabbage on? Is that wrong? I don't know. I've don't judge me. No, I'm just. Country I, girl coming out. Cabbage. I'm, I'm writing this stuff on. I think them cabbage down. <laughs> <laughs> so what's. To song? latch on. Cabbage. I like it. I like it. Cabbage. To latch on. To, to latch on. That's what it says in the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> cabbage. To latch on. What song do you wish you would have written? Oh God! I th- I oh I know this every day. Um, oh, lately or in all? Sure, whatever. Shoot, that's tough. There's a thousand songs I wish I would have written. Um, I wish I would have written. I hope you dance. I wish I would have written. Yeah. I've been staring at your Dixie Chicks plaque on the wall. I wish I would have written "Cowboy Take Me Away." Uh, I wish I would have written the dance, you know, those, those types of songs. Yeah. Uh, to make you feel my love. Um, gosh, I mean, we could be here for an hour. You should do a whole podcast on songs. I mean, I mean, like, even if you think about like stuff like Amazing Grace, just how, how many people have been touched by a song like that? Exactly. Happy birthday. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> I think uh, if if one of us 
own that copyright, we may not be doing sitting, podcasts. Probably not. Not out of my basement. <laughs> disgrace land music down here. <laughs> well, what are your uh, socials? Where can everybody find you? At Claire Dunn Music. C L A R E D U N N Music. No I and Claire. All one word. Claire Dunn Music. All Which, the same. Is Instagram Claire Dunn Music too? Yeah. Okay. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat. And if I exist anywhere else in social media that I'm not even sure of, I promise you it's going to be Claire Dunn Music. <laughs> well, you you have said it all. Well, thanks for having me thanks here so I can here. say it all. I, I love you. It's been too long since I've seen you. I know. I know. This is awesome. Come over and play dominoes. I know. I'm going to. I'm going to learn. What did you say that game was y'all play? Mexican Train. Mexican Train. All I know is Chicken Foot. It's fun. I like that band, Chicken Foot. That's, That's called ways. Little Foot. No, there's a band called Chicken Foot. What? I'll, I'll explain that. <laughs> That's for post-podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Thanks for having me, Bart. Bye. Bye.